Thanks for joining us in the spring of 2022 for the Adult Study Guide podcast. This quarter, Brother Mark Clements is going to guide us through the books of Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The nation of Israel, while far from perfect, demonstrates for the Bible student God's high standards for his people, how we fail miserably at meeting those standards, and finding grace in Jesus. So grab your copy of the Adult Study Guide or your Bible and study along with Brother Mark. Today's lesson is entitled, The Priests of Israel, from Leviticus 8, 1-6 and 9, 22-24. The application for today is, the student will learn how the activity of the Jewish priests was only a type of the work which Christ, the great high priest, would finish in his life on earth. Seeking the Context After Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist and began his public ministry, those who listened to him teach were puzzled by his doctrine at first. John the Baptist had begun a new ministry of which Jesus approved, and then Jesus began preaching a similar message of repentance for the coming kingdom. Some thought Jesus might be the Messiah, but became confused when he ridiculed the hypocrisy of the most religious people in the area. Jesus taught that his followers must have a righteousness that exceeded the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. Maybe they thought Jesus was doing away with the law since he demonstrated the inefficiency of the religious elite to uphold it. On the contrary, Jesus explicitly stated that he did not come to destroy the law or the prophets, but to fulfill them, Matthew 5, 17-20. At the time, this must have seemed a radical claim by Jesus. He insisted that the Old Testament found its fulfillment in him. His ministry, his life, his death, burial and resurrection, ascension and second coming were all foretold in the Old Testament. The Old Testament points to Jesus Christ. When the writer of Hebrews informed his readers that Jesus held an unchangeable priesthood, many of the readers no doubt immediately recalled depictions of priestly activity in today's text. Hebrews tells of Jesus having a superior priesthood since he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Hebrews 7.25. Today's text shows us the ways in which the Levitical priesthood points to Jesus Christ. Jesus fulfilled the law perfectly, satisfying every picture of redemption drawn by God for his people Israel. The nation of Israel, just like everyone today, needed an intercessor. Since sin besets every human being, we need someone who will represent us to our Creator and satisfy his requirements for forgiveness and consecration. The Levitical priests illustrated what Jesus did for all mankind in mediating to God on our behalf. God explained to Moses exactly what the priest should do, and today's text shows us how his word was obeyed. We will see a beautiful picture of holy devotion to God by Moses and Aaron, but more importantly, we will see the beauty of Jesus' mediation on our behalf as our perfect high priest. Why is it so important to understand the priestly duties Jesus performed? Searching the text. Number one, Jesus was publicly consecrated. Leviticus 8, 1-4 
And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take Aaron and his sons with him, and the garments, and the anointing oil, and a bullock for the sin offering, and two rams, and a basket of unleavened bread. And gather thou all the congregation together unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him. And the assembly was gathered together unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. When a church needs a pastor, the process of filling the pulpit is typically quite visible. Much like the Jerusalem church did when filling the position of Judas Iscariot or deciding which men should serve as deacons, Acts 1, 15-26 and 6, 1-7, the church body must decide who should serve as their next pastor. If the man chosen by the body has not been ordained, he will be ordained in a very public manner. The people, specifically the members of the church he will pastor, must know him very well. They will ask questions about his experience, beliefs, character, family, education, and circumstances that led him to follow Jesus. Since the man will be serving the church as an under-shepherd, he should be an open book for them to read before they call him as pastor. This same concept holds true for just about anyone who wishes to serve people, whether a minister or a public servant. The people who look to a public leader for help will desire access to hold him accountable. Additionally, people recognize there is a level of service their leader can provide that they themselves are unable to accomplish on their own. In order to account for the need for visibility, God told Moses to bring Aaron and his sons out to the front of the tabernacle. As they stood there with all of the necessary elements for service, Moses gathered the assembly of people around the front of the tabernacle to gaze upon their priests. At this point, no words were spoken by the people, but they simply watched as Aaron was prepared to represent them before their holy God. This moment must have been a very reverent and moving experience for all involved. See Psalms 133. Aaron and his sons stood in front of all the people having prepared, to the best of their ability, everything God asked them to prepare. The weight of the people's expectation must have rested heavily on Aaron as he considered the role of mediation he was about to carry out. The people looked to him for representation to God, to do everything they needed to be reconciled to him. Aaron willingly stood in front of the nation, taking upon himself the role of priest to God on their behalf. He was consecrated for access to God, armed with the knowledge of God, and commissioned for the service of God. In the same way Aaron was consecrated in front of all the people for his sacred duty, Jesus came, lived, moved, and obeyed the Lord for all to see. He did not remain hidden or attempt to follow through with his purpose in private. Jesus did not hide from the masses of humanity who desired to be in his presence. He traveled from city to city, region to region, teaching the kingdom of God and performing miracles. He hung on the cruel cross for the world to see, and after he rose from the dead, he appeared to hundreds of people. Jesus did not back away from his role as our great high priest. He willingly looked humanity in the eyes and took our sins upon himself. When the Apostle Paul told the work of Jesus to King Agrippa, Festus accused Paul of being mad. But Paul told Festus that he must have heard about the work of Jesus since they were not done in a corner. 
Acts 26, 26. Paul knew the news of what Jesus had done had been widely spread across the world. It takes great courage for someone to ascend to a public platform in order to accomplish work on behalf of the people. Aaron and his sons must have felt the weight of their role as priests. Jesus, to whom this text points, courageously stepped up to lead humanity to be reconciled to their Creator through His work on the cross of Calvary. Every repentant sinner looks to Jesus as the one mediator between God and man, 1 Timothy 2.5. Everyone else will bow their knee at His return, acknowledging His holiness as King of kings and Lord of lords, Philippians 2.9-11. How does Jesus' public ministry impact your life? Number two, Jesus was perfectly obedient. Leviticus 8, 5, and 6. And Moses said unto the congregation, This is the thing which the Lord commanded to be done. And Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water. When the time was right for Jesus to begin his public ministry, he began with a visit to John the Baptist at the Jordan River. John required fruit of repentance for those who wished to be baptized. So when Jesus arrived, John protested at Jesus' need to receive baptism. If anyone needed baptism, John exclaimed that he would prefer to be baptized by Jesus. At John's resistance, Jesus explained that John should baptize him in order to fulfill all righteousness. Matthew 3.15 So John baptized him. The baptism of Jesus did not cleanse any sin, neither did he need to repent prior to being baptized since Jesus was perfectly sinless. He submitted to public baptism simply out of obedience to the will of the Father. His baptism symbolized his purity and submission to the will of God, choosing to bring glory to the Father with the remainder of his life. God requires baptism, so Jesus submitted to baptism, as should every person who wishes to walk in obedience to his Creator. Many great things happen when a person submits to baptism, but they begin with a person's simple obedience to the will of God. When Moses and Aaron appeared before the entire congregation of Israel, Moses made sure to explain that everything they were doing was an attempt to satisfy the commands of God. Perhaps the people wondered why Moses did what he did. So in order to maintain transparent accountability, Moses acknowledged he was obeying God's directions. Every godly leader should follow this example of Moses. God's people should be informed as to what God desires through their own study of the Bible. But leaders should also explain their attempts to obey God in all aspects of life. Like Moses, godly leaders must know the Word of God and explain to their followers how they intend to obey Him. Then, before God and everyone, leaders must allow for transparency and accountability in their efforts to satisfy the will of God personally and publicly. Moses and Aaron attempted to follow God's word precisely. As they stood before the people, Moses washed Aaron and his sons with water, symbolizing their purification and consecration for the work God had commissioned them to do. This points to Jesus Christ. The prophet Isaiah foretold that the Messiah would be perfect, consecrated for the redemption of God's people. He would be afflicted and wounded for our transgressions, but he would not open his mouth in protest. 
He would do no violence, and no deceit would be found in his mouth. Isaiah 53, 3-12. Peter, who walked with Jesus, confirmed the accuracy of the prophet's prediction when he wrote that Jesus did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. 1 Peter 2, 22. When Jesus was examined by the religious crowd, he explicitly explained to them that he had been sent by the Father and sought to do everything exactly as he commanded. The Pharisees accused Jesus of only pretending to be from God and therefore blasphemy. But Jesus told them, I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. John eight twenty eight. Later, Jesus said, I do always those things that please him, John 8, 29. Jesus was perfectly obedient. He accomplished everything God the Father planned for him to accomplish without falling short even once. How does the gospel lead us to repentance? Number three, Jesus was divinely accepted. Leviticus 9, 22 through 24. And Aaron lifted up his hand toward the people and blessed them, and came down from offering the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of the congregation and came out and blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the people. And there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat, which when all the people saw, they shouted and fell on their faces. As Moses and Aaron attempted to follow the explicit commands of God, some people may have still been skeptical as to whether each precept was obeyed exactly as prescribed. Certainly, God's word was not hidden, which meant that anyone could analyze the movements of Moses to make sure he was completely obedient. Of course, Moses did not attempt to shortcut God's requirements. His motives were genuine in his desire to satisfy God's commands. But whether God was pleased with their attempts at obedience still remained to be seen. We can attempt obedience with the purest of motives in all we do. We can follow God's word to its fullest extent. We can be subject to the scrutiny of the most legalistic brethren and be found upright. But... If God does not approve of our activity, why would anyone else's opinion matter? After Moses and Aaron did their best to comply with all God commanded in preparation for the sacrifices in the tabernacle, they blessed the people and God's glory appeared to them all. Additionally, God showed his pleasure in their activity by sending fire to consume the sacrifices on the altar. Everyone in attendance observed this and fell on their faces in reverence. God was pleased in their sacrificial service, and he made his pleasure known. Once again, we see Jesus fulfilling this beautiful picture of God's acceptance. Not only did God give his approval at his son's baptism in Matthew 3, 16 and 17, but also throughout his ministry, God's seal of approval appeared on Jesus in his miracles of healing and deliverance. God approved of the work of Jesus ultimately while he hung on the cross, paying the sin debt of mankind through the shedding of his blood. 
God caused darkness to cover the earth while Jesus was on the cross. After Jesus' resurrection, an earthquake split the veil in the temple, and many graves were opened, and the people rose from the dead. These things happened because Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice on our behalf. Even a Roman centurion was convinced that Jesus was the Son of God when he saw how God demonstrated his presence through all of these events. Matthew 27, 51 through 54. Just as Aaron's service was approved, God approved the service of Jesus. How is your life impacted by God's acceptance of Jesus' sacrifice on your behalf? Setting the application. Everything Jesus did that impacted our salvation and service for the glory of God was recorded for our benefit. Jesus did not hide from humanity, but made himself accessible and available to everyone. He perfectly obeyed the will of God for the world to see. Everyone who observed the life of Christ saw God's hand of approval upon him as God's son. How should we respond to the redemptive and representative work Jesus has done on our behalf? Like the children of Israel who saw the glory of God appear at the tabernacle and the fire of God burn up the offerings on the altar, we should fall down in reverential adoration and worship. God saw the travail of his son's soul and was satisfied because he bore our iniquities and by him we are justified, Isaiah 53, 11. The fire and glory of God greatly impacted the lives of the children of Israel for the rest of their lives. Certainly, they told the story for many years. Our response to the work of Jesus should be similar. We have been impacted by the glory of God through the work of Christ. Now, we have a heavenly citizenship and destination. Certainly, we have a story worth sharing because of the gospel. How will you tell others of Christ's work this week? Thanks for listening to another lesson on the Adult Study Guide podcast. We will catch you next week for another lesson in this great quarter. Until then, join us daily on our daily devotional blog at www.bogardpress.org.